This is lesson eight of our financial stewardship. And this is, I think, my favorite lesson out of all of them, your desperate need for a budget. Well, we've been kind of salting the lessons all the way up to this one so that by the time we get here, we can really drive it home. We have said over and over and over again for seven weeks now, there comes a time when you're going to have to master money if you expect to go anywhere in life. The Bible says that money answers all things. It doesn't mean money is the answer. Of course, we know Jesus Christ is the answer. But money does answer everything. And if we don't ever master it, it's going to master us. And then, then we can come and apply the Gospels and say, you can't serve God and mammon. So if you can get a hold of a budget, you won't have to serve mammon. I've been very poor in my life. Now, we were not raised poor. My parents were always hard workers, and uh, they have college degrees, and so they've worked and, and always supplied for us. But when I first graduated college, I was, I was national poverty rate, uh, six seventy-five an hour right there at the poverty level. And when you don't have money and you don't know how to handle what little bit you do, all you think about is money. It's all you think about. I've been there. I've spent two or three years there. All you think about is money. It consumes you. You go to prayer. You study your Bible. You're trying to walk with God, and yet you got money screaming at you, begging for your attention, and it can be very quickly a God to you. And that's why you have to master money. It's why you have to learn how to budget. It's why you have to be able to trust God and even go back to those scriptures that say, take no thought for tomorrow, for sufficient for tomorrow's the evil thereof, and get your money under control. Now, if you're making more than six seventy-five an hour, and let's say you're making thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, you ought to very easily be able to live in Cookville. If you make less than you know twenty-five to thirty thousand, you can easily live in Cookville as long as you don't have lust or greed or lazy working in your life. Now, obviously, in New York City, you can't live off of thirty thousand very easily. That's why they have nineteen people living in a one-bedroom apartment because it's very expensive. But here in Cookville, which is where we're preaching from, obviously, it ought to be very easy. If you cannot, it's because you don't know how to handle your money. Therefore, it handles you. And I, I, I don't want to say I was handled by money. I didn't make decisions for money, but it was always there knocking on the door, pounding on the door. I mean, you thought about it when you got up in the morning. You thought about it at lunchtime. You thought about it when you went to bed. You thought about it when you had to do car maintenance. You, just, you lived in constant fear. What happens if the car breaks down because you don't have any money? What happens if, um, and I wasn't so poor, I was feared about, fearful of gas, but some people are always fearful. I don't have enough money for gas. I've never been in a position where I could only put $5 in the tank, thank God, because I just, I just don't do that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go either way. You know, whether you put $5 every two days in or $35 all at once, it's the same amount. But I, I know what it is to sit there and have mammon screaming at you the whole time. And so if you make more than $30,000 a year, this is just my estimate by today's 2015, you make more than 30000 a year, there's no reason you should have money problems, except that you violate the word of God. 2015, Cookville, Tennessee, 30000 a year, our standard of living. There's no reason you should have money problems except that you live beyond your means and you squander your money like a prodigal on things you don't have need of. Now, it, it's perfectly wise to go and sell stuff to make room. It's perfectly wise to go and cut back on your cell phone. It's perfectly wise to cut off the internet it's perfectly wise to cut off cable. It's perfectly wise to cut off dish network or whatever your thing is. There's a way to cut back. You can even downsize a vehicle 
and lower your payments. There's, now, it's not my job to tell you what to do, but there's all these different ways to do it. The most ridiculous thing, I think, is our explanation saying, I've got to have cable. No, you don't. I've got to have internet. No, you don't. I, 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 I've got to have a smartphone. No, you don't. No, you don't. You, like Papa John said, you got a case of the I wants. Somebody said, I, I got to have it so I can know what the weather is. Look out your window. <laughs> Call somebody on the landline. I know that's a little bit of an inconvenience, but if it get, gets mammon off of your brat, off the back of your neck, breathing on you, I'd, I'd pick up, if you have to have the old rotary phone. Hey, what's the weather supposed to do? Can you check the weather channel for me? I, I canceled my internet subscription. I canceled my cable. That's worth not having mammon breathe down your neck every day while you waste your life. Amen. Anything apart from that, you just lustful and got a bad case of the I wants. So now here's the deal with our budget because this is our lesson. That was all just introductory. And I, well, let me back up because to me it's funny and I like making you laugh. Once as a boy, I got this Indian weather rock from Cherokee, North Carolina. Anybody seen the Indian weather rock? This was like how the Cherokee or the, you know, the beige foot or whatever your Indian tribe, this is how they predicted the weather. This, is, this was their meteorologist. And so it was like a little wooden teepee out of sticks with a little leather strap and a little rock. And this told you the weather. And so the little key to it said, if the rock is wet, it's raining. If the rock is hot, it's sunny. If the rock is white, it's snowing. If the rock is sideways, it's windy. If the rock is gone, it's a tornado. <laughs> and it costs $5 in Cherokee, not a $100 a month data package for your smartphone that you can't afford, but you want to keep up with the Joneses and go to hell together. Amen. Good teaching. Budget. Let's look at the definition of a budget. An estimate of income and expenditures for a set season of time. This is just a natural definition, nothing fancy. It's an estimate of income. We all have an income, even if it's a pension, even if it's a retirement, even if it's Social Security, we all have an income. And it's an estimate of your outgoing, your incoming and your outgoing for a set season of time. A budget for a day, a budget for a trip, a budget for a month, a budget for a week, a budget for the year. Uh, I would to God our national government would sit in on my class and learn about a budget. They, they think we can print more money. What's 1.6 trillion? Satanic is right. <laughs> the single greatest key to stewardship... And, and listen very carefully here. The single greatest key to stewardship, prosperity, increase, promotion, and wealth is a budget. I won't e you can believe you receive wealth, that's great, but without a budget, you're going to squander it. You can sow and tithe and do all the supernatural things we know to do, but without a budget, you'll squander it. You can... Not, not, and obviously I'm not trying to diminish the scriptures that we live by, but the mafia don't have God, but they have a budget and they're wealthy. Hollywood does not have God, but they have a budget and they're wealthy. The Fortune 500 companies don't have God, but they have a budget and they're wealthy. But a budget is God's wisdom. So though they don't have God, they have tapped into God's wisdom. And again, Jesus Christ said, 
the children of darkness are in their generation more wise than the children of light. What a shame that the children of darkness can do more with their money than we can with tithers' rights, with sowing, with giving, with faith, because we don't have a budget. And as the minor prophet said, you, you earn a wage, but you put it into a bag that has holes in it. Amen. At some point, you've got to put a knife to your throat and stop the appetite. God promises to supply our needs. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But without a budget, you'll never know just exactly what those needs are. If you don't know what you need, how can you let your requests be made known unto God? You're just asking for everything. Furthermore, budgets are biblical and they are wisdom. And so let me add this to our teaching here, though I should probably write it down. A budget is legalistic. And you need legalism to restrain your flesh. We talk about a budget on calories is called a diet. A diet is legalistic, but doesn't it make advances? Anything that restrains the flesh is going to be legalistic because it's a law. And it's a good law. Did you know we have rules that keep us from speeding and that's legalistic and it's good? Did you know you have rules or laws that keep you from drinking and driving and that's legalistic and it's good? Because the flesh no man can contain, but the law of God can. So a budget is good because it lets you see what you cannot spend when your flesh says, I want it, I want it, I want it. And sometimes your flesh will even say, we need it. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says having food and raiment. Let us therewith be content. And as I like to say, some of you, you need a ramen noodle testimony. You need a Slim Pickens testimony because it makes you appreciate where God's brought you from. Furthermore, I remember when I was first out of college, I was actually looking at buying a house in a, actually I was looking at buying a house in Oak Ridge up on the hill. And there was this older couple from this church I was attending and they kind of took me under their wing and they, were, they said this. They said, the good thing, young man, is you're young and you're just starting your career. And one thing is for sure, if you serve God, your income will always increase. That was 20 years ago, just about. And they, boy, they were so right. And if you serve God and you have a budget and you're consistent, you'll always increase. What ought to really break our hearts is if we've been serving God or thinking we are and, we, and we've never really increased, we're living at the same level that we've always lived at, either you're full and don't want anymore or you just squander. A budget will help you to retain and take more. It'll help you to pull your resources and focus and, and advance. You don't have to live and die in your first house unless you want to. I don't want to. Faith doesn't want to. Faith is always taking more land. Not to be uh, some kind of hoity-toity thing, but even... I worked for a millionaire one time and I worked out at his house and he, he took all of his millions of dollars and reinvested it back in his firm. And he didn't want a big house. He had a nice house, maybe 4,000 square feet. Uh, it was a modest home for his wealth. But one thing I did know, he couldn't sit still at just his house. I was constantly remodeling it or moving fence posts or gutting something. Because even though it was nice, he wanted this. Okay, I haven't remodeled this room in five years. I want to remodel it now because I want to make it nicer. That's 20 years ago. He still lives in the same house. This man owns his own mortgage company now. What kind of money does, is that? But I guarantee you, he's probably remodeled everything I remodeled for him 20 years ago, three times over. 
So this budget thing is critical because it helps us to pool our resources, see what's coming in, see what's going out, and have something left over. If you don't have a budget, you'll always have money issues. If you don't have a budget, you'll always have money issues. You'll go to the grave and leave your children's children money issues. And the Bible says a righteous man leaves an inheritance, not money issues. A righteous man who did the word of God leaves an inheritance, not a money issue. I had somebody close to me die and I ended up having to deal with probate court. That's when I learned what probate court was, which was basically they died, they left you debt, you get to take care of it. Well, that stinks. How thoughtless of you, loved one. <laughs> then I get to take care of your debt because you wouldn't do the word. Selfish. All right. Not wanting to meddle in anybody's past, but I want to set you up for a better future. Yes, sir. Amen. So what does a budget do? Just so you know, this is kind of elementary, don't mean to insult us, but the more we talk about this, the more we can build our faith to overcome our lust that wants to spend, 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 and then complain that we always have credit card debt, or we never have money to repair our car, or that our house is always falling apart, or, 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 or whatever. A budget tells you how much money is coming in. Once you know how much money is coming in, you now can constrain your flesh and your living standard. A budget tells you how much money is going out. And when you see how much money is going out, you can begin to make adjustments. You have to be willing to cut in every direction. There's nothing you have you cannot live without except for clothing, food, water, and air. I preach this every time I preach these lessons. It's asinine to think you need internet. See how dull a response that is? Because you're convinced you need it. Go to the library. Go, go, to, go to Walmart. Go to Starbucks. Everybody, pull up in the parking lot of the hotel. Ten years ago, when Wi-Fi first started getting going, I didn't know you could do this because this is ten years ago. My mom at the time was a pharmaceutical rep. She'd drive through neighborhoods with her little card plugged in and look for people's Wi-Fi and sit in the neighborhood and get their Wi-Fi to do her pharmaceutical thing as a sales rep. Because we didn't have it at the time, or my parents didn't. I, I wasn't at home. It's insane to think you have to have high-speed cable, high-speed internet, dish network. It's insane to think you have to have a smartphone when you can't afford it. It's almost like we think smartphones are a civil right. Of course, we do have Obama phones because folks on welfare are convinced it's a civil right to the tune of $1.7 trillion dollars. Isn't it amazing how selfish we get? And yet we don't, we, we don't, we don't, I guess it's like we don't really care if the monkey of mammon breathes down our neck constantly and steers us by pulling our ear. And that's why you can be as old as you are and have nothing to show for it. All right, we're stomping around pretty good in the mud hole that is our soul. A budget tells you how much money you are saving, which means you should be saving something, even if it's just two pennies on the paycheck. A budget tells you how much you can afford to spend. And in that, by that regard, how much you cannot afford to spend. That's a budget. A budget tells you what you cannot afford to spend. So when you go to buy a car or buy a house, you have a budget. And you know exactly what you can and cannot do. And you don't have to 
schmooze the car salesman or the mortgage broker or the whatever, you can say, look, I'm sorry, my budget will not permit me. You can play good cop, bad cop. And you make the budget the bad guy. I would really like this house, but my budget won't let me. Oh, we can make it work for you. Not according to the budget. We can stretch it out over seven years. My mortgage or my car? My mortgage or my car? (laughs) A budget will make you a good steward, which means without a budget, it'll be impossible to be a good steward over money. Without a budget, if you don't live by a budget, it will be impossible to be a good steward of money because you won't know what's coming in. And by, when it does come in, you'll have already had it, had it spent. Probably you've already had it spent three times. What you're going to buy with it, what you already owe MasterCard, and what you're going to have to borrow from somebody else to make up the difference to pay your rent. That's that monkey of mammon riding your back. And until that thing stops, you'll always be a debtor. A budget will help make you successful. Every Fortune 500 company, even if they're crooked, they got a team of accountants working the books, making sure money's coming in. That's how they report a loss. That's how they can even operate at a loss every quarter because they at least can manage the loss. And they've got expectations and they've got money they're borrowing to roll things over. And they're accountable to their uh, stockholders. And they make decisions based on the quarterly stock uh, reports. You and I, our problem is we're not accountable to anybody, like the federal government, apparently. Pardon me if I get a little political. I'm very irritated in this season. We're not accountable to anybody, so we don't mind to just drive our family financially off a cliff and not provide for our wife or provide for our children or have anything to give our grandkids because we're selfishly wasting it on lust, immaturity, frivolous things, toys, things that Jesus Christ, we're throwing money at the hole in our soul because we don't have a walk with God. When you have a walk with God, he fills you, new shoes won't. When you have a walk with Jesus Christ, he fills you, a new flat panel won't. When you walk with Jesus Christ, he fills you, another vacation won't. When you walk with Jesus Christ. So the problem isn't so much our lack of income. If I could only make more money, if I could only get another degree, that's not the problem. Your walk with God is the problem. Awfully quiet on this final. We're just talking about a budget. This is like Dave Ramsey here. A budget will predict how long it will take you to accomplish a financial goal. So you should have a financial goal. And the budget will help you make it. A budget will keep you disciplined when you are tempted to squander. A budget is very legalistic, and we need that. Galatians says when you're a child, you need tutors and governors to keep you straight. And that's why in our life, we still need the law of God as a tutor and a governor, because some areas of our life, we're still immature. A budget will, keep you, will give you something to base your prayer requests upon. How can you ask specifically if you don't know what you need? Like Brother Hagin said, if you ask for nothing in particular, that's exactly what you'll get. Yet at the same time, if you ask for everything in general, how do you know when you get it? How do you measure the success of your prayer life? Lord, take care of me, and $5 comes in. No, Lord, take care of me. Why? How do you know what you need? Maybe $5 is half of what you need, and that wouldn't boost your faith. When you don't have a budget, you, you look a gift horse in the mouth. 
Not saying, on the other hand, you could say, Lord, I need a team of horses. And the Lord gives you a, a, a horse. Well, praise the Lord, we're a third of the way there. Without a budget, I don't, I don't see how we expect to go anywhere in life without a budget. Again, a budget of our time, a budget of our resources, a budget of calories for our body. Everything in our life works and is built upon budgets. So wisdom builds. Let's look at some scriptures now. Let's prove this from the word of God. And uh, we'll con- we're going to conclude this thing with 11 signs you're living beyond your means. Man, that always uh, goes over real popular like because most of us leak out here and leak out over there living beyond our means. Wisdom builds. The only way you can build anything in your life is through wisdom. Can I have a little bit of a response? <laughs> At least acknowledge you're awake, alive, and the Bible's true. Nothing till now has, everything before now has been natural wisdom. Now I'm giving you Bible, so at least amen the Bible. All right. The only way you can build anything in your life is through wisdom. All right. You will never build wealth in your life without a budget. Proverbs 24 says, the through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So you got three things there, building, establishing, and filling. I've underlined them for you. You see a a progression here, building, establishing, and filling. You build through wisdom, you establish through understanding, and you fill through knowledge. So if you want all three, you got to have all three working. A lot of folks don't even hardly begin to build because they don't even walk in wisdom, much less knowledge and understanding. There's a progression in this verse, build, establish, fill. Many people want to jump straight to filling their lives, just lusting after flat panels and new computers and all this stuff your flesh is convinced you need when you've not yet to even build anything to put it in. A budget's a framework that you fill your life with. It's the framework with which your life operates in. Many people want to jump straight to filling their lives with riches without first building and establishing their lives. This is how most lotto winners end up poor within a year or two. I, years ago, there used to be that TV show, and I, I, when I read this, it always comes to mind. There was the, the folks living in a double-wide mobile home, and they won the lotto, and they didn't buy a better home. They didn't invest. They bought their kids. I remember going, they took it to the teenage girls' Uh, closet. She had all these thousand dollar dresses. That's what they were spending their money on. They expanded the deck and put a, a bigger above ground pool in it. They put new pressed gravel in their driveway and they had a Lamborghini, either Countach or Diablo. Okay, that car alone is a quarter million dollars or thereabouts. Yet you still live in a double wide. How about you first build your life how about with that money you put all your kids through college how about with that money you put yourself through college because you don't got to work now right you won the lotto by the simple fact that people take the one-time payout in the lotto shows they're stupid okay so for those of you that understand the difference (laughs) you're like what we we shouldn't take the one time you should be playing scratch off in the first place (laughs) We shouldn't. <laughs> All right, you say you get $100 million jackpot, you can take, you know, a monthly payment of a million and a half. 
for the rest of your life or a one-time buyout at 45 million. Oh, give me one-time buyout 45, because that's better, right? Because 45 million is more than a million and a half a month for the rest of your life. And folks will take the one-time buyout because they get them all that money at once. Because I, I couldn't, I, I just, I couldn't live off of a million and a half a month because I'm barely making it on a thousand dollars a month. So how could I live off of a million and a half in a month? So give me forty-five million dollars so I can blow through it in two years on Lamborghinis, on concar, on uh, gravel driveways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A budget is the blueprint by which you begin to build your financial life. The younger you can get a hold of this, the better. Even if you're old, you can still live according to this. Never too late to change this. Never too late to change this. Never too late to turn your Exxon Valdez around. Instead of wreck ashore. Never too late to spin that wheel and hope for the best. <laughs> Proverbs 21, 20. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. Notice that. The wise people got lots of stuff in their home, in their bank, in their investments. But a foolish man spendeth it up. I've told so many of our young people when they testify, I got a pay raise. And I tell them all the same thing. Great. Don't expand your standard of living. Put that thing in savings. Put that thing towards a new car that you're believing God for. Put that thing towards a house. Get out of that apartment. Don't, don't because all of a sudden you're making an extra 500 a month, think, oh, we can eat out more. So you eat out more, so you gotta have a gym membership. So you're bleeding out both holes. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But see, we've been trained to think that way. I make more money so I can spend more money. You make more money so you can save more money. Or you make more money so you can give more money to the kingdom. Amen. A budget will keep you from spending up all of your treasure and oil. When we go to your house, you ought to have nice stuff in your house. Not because you, you, you blew through 100 bucks to go put junk everywhere, but you saved up and it was worth hanging on the wall. I have a rule of thumb in my house concerning art. I don't buy junk art. Everybody's got stuff you hang on the wall. I don't buy Picasso, by the way, or Van Gogh. But I buy stuff that's one of a kind. I buy stuff that's worth having. I buy stuff from all over the world that isn't expensive, but it's original stuff. I'm not going to go to Hobby Lobby, no offense to Hobby Lobby, and buy some reproduction thing and hang it on my wall. Something that you buy at a yard. Now, if you want to do that, that's fine, but I'm not going to do that. I want nice stuff in my home. If it means a hallway goes vacant for five years, so be it. But I'm not going to throw junk on the wall just to throw junk on the wall. That's my opinion. But I want treasure in oil. It doesn't say treasure, junk, and Crisco. It says treasure and oil. Not Hobby Lobby. Well, maybe, you know, some nice stuff at all. And I got Hobby Lobby in our house. But yeah, I think hopefully you see what I'm saying. I have this one giant flower. I like flowers because it color, you know, beautifies the house. I got this, uh, all of our prints are actually one of a kind uh, or, or limited edition prints. But I got this huge flower painting from TJ Maxx or something. I think I paid 30 bucks for it. But it's hand painted for 30 bucks. And it looks good too. It's not a replica. It's a real deal because that's what I like. Treasure. Nice stuff. This is the closest you're going to get to prosperity teaching, by the way. So suck it in. Enjoy it, because we're not TBN. <laughs> uh, 
Luke 14, 28 through 30. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counts the cost? So make sure you count the cost. Whether he hath sufficient to finish it. Less happily after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Notice that if you're going to build anything in life, you've got to first sit down and count the cost. Anything you do financially that's going to take more than, I don't know, a fifth of a paycheck, you should sit down and weigh the cost financially. A vacation, you don't take vacations just spur of the moment. Only a fool just says, let's go take a vacation. Okay, how many days off are you taking? Do you need those vacation days? What if you don't have vacation days? Can, so it's not just going to cost you the time to, to spend in the car driving and get the, the hotel. It's going to cost you days away from work. So that's income you're missing. So do you have enough in savings to pay the bills with the income you're missing to go take a vacation because you just flew off by the seat of your pants? You ought to have something to show for your life. Because you count the cost anytime you go to build a tower. Otherwise, according to this parable, you start to build it and you realize, hey, 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 I can't, I can't do this. So what happens? They foreclose on your home. They repo your car. They turn off your power. They turn you over to the debt collector. These are not badges of honor. These, is, these are badges of foolishness. These are badges that declare you have violated the word of God for the name and sake of lust. We are not the federal government. We can't just mindlessly print money and borrow it from China to cover our lavish prodigality and profligacy. We have to answer to somebody. You ought to answer to God first and then not have to be Honda or mortgage investors or Citibank or the debt collector, uh, there, there comes the monkey of mammon again, pulling on your ear, breathing on you because you couldn't be content with such things as you have because you couldn't obey a budget. You know, it, to have a budget is great, but to disobey it is lawlessness because a budget is a law working in your life to prosper you. A budget is a law working in your life to prosper you. Why would you fight against something that wants to prosper you? Doesn't make any sense, but we do it. Tower building requires a budget. Your life will say is a tower. Make sure you know the cost. We must first weigh the cost of anything we plan to do. In this parable, the tower builder did not weigh the cost and he acted hastily and ended up failing and becoming the subject of mockery. Do not become the subject of mockery. Some of us, we already have a very low self-esteem anyway. You just heap this on top of that already low self-esteem, we're not going to go anywhere in life. The will of God is for every one of us to do great things for him, to enjoy life. As Paul said, he's given us all things freely to enjoy. It does please God for you to have a nice vacation. It does please God for you to drive a nice car, whatever you want, but not to be get there foolishly at the cost of violating God and his word. I always tell the story about my friend who's divorced and one of the wife's excuses was he never took us on a vacation. Honey, you were 21 when you got married. You were 28. You had two kids along the way. He's paying off everybody's bills, taking care of two kids. I, I don't think you need a trip to Hawaii every year. That's an entitlement mentality. That's welfare. Welfare. It's a lazy, selfish entitlement mentality. Aim down the road 
have something to shoot for and rejoice when you get there and say it has to be God because it sure wasn't credit cards. Biblical budgets. Moses had a budget. Did you know Moses had a budget? He was talking to God on a mountain. The mountain was a furnace altogether on fire. And apparently one of the things God gave him in that fire was a budget. It wasn't some mystical nightmare, some mystical daydream. It wasn't some kind of mystical ghoulie bump thing. Part of that experience with God in fire was a budget. Isn't that crazy to think about? Of everything God could talk about, of all the mysteries of the universe and giving Moses the first five books of the Bible, he also gave him budget. <laughs> I think that's so funny. What'd God tell you up on that mountain? We need a budget. It just, it doesn't feel very TBN, does it? It just doesn't, but it's the Bible. He had a budget for building the tabernacle. Moses had received a blueprint for the tabernacle from God upon Mount Sinai. A blueprint is a type of building budget, right? You, you know how many two by fours you need. You know how much gold you need. You know how much silver you need, how much goat hair, etc. He knew exactly what he needed for the building of the tabernacle. This included gold, silver, brass, linen, a blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, goat's hairs, ram skins, shittim wood, oil, spices, gemstones. Notice he was specific. I want shittim wood. I don't want oak. don't want poplar. don't want cedar. I want shittim wood. So you know exactly what needs to go where. Uh, Exodus 36, 5 and 7, and they spake unto Moses, the building contractors, the, and said this, the people bring much more than enough. How did they know it was too much? Because they had a budget. For the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. How did they know it was too much? If it was Middle Tennessee, they wouldn't have known it. They would just piled it up in the corner somewhere. They'd have just piled it up and it would have rotted. But these contractors, because of Moses' budget, knew it was too much. Tell them to stop giving. Moses' building budget let his helpers know when they had enough resources for the task at hand. Too many Christians don't even know what they have need of, so they don't know when they have enough, or worse yet, they don't even know what to ask for in prayer. I might even say this, they don't even know what they do have. They don't even know what they do have because they're, they got one bedroom full of just junk. You might have something in there you could sell. Some people got a basement that belongs on TLC, they ought to have a TV show called My Fearful Basement. What did we find in the basement? Well, we found a million-dollar statue from Grandma and 15,000 brown recluse spiders and mold. Our house isn't big enough. Clean out the dump that is your sewage basement. Clean it out. Refinish it. Sell your house. Make 100 grand and buy something nicer. Wave. that would take too much work. I need my Obama phone. By the way, when you call the Obama phone, you don't get Obama. It's not like the bat phone. Yeah. And you don't get the bill either. I do. Because I'm a taxpayer. Joseph had a national budget for Egypt. This is my favorite budget example out of the whole Bible. God warned Pharaoh in a dream that there would be seven fat years and seven lean years. Sounds like God's counting things. God anointed Joseph to interpret the dream and provide a plan. God's plan was for Pharaoh to save 20%, 20% a year for seven years of plenty in order to maintain Egypt through the seven lean years. So the plan was a budget of saving 
No miracle debt cancellation program here. No TBN gimmick offering here. It was a budget. Joseph revealed that the seven years of famine would be so bad that no one would remember the years of prosperity. Joseph said that without this plan, Egypt would perish. And I'll tell you, without a budget, you'll perish too. I don't have a problem preaching that. Without a budget, you will perish. Without a budget, you will perish. This supernaturally delivered plan was nothing more than a budget. He had a dream, and the dream interpretation was a budget. This budget was God's plan of prosperity in a time of lack. This wisdom allowed Joseph to be promoted over all the land of Egypt at the age of 30. Notice this, that a budget will cause promotion in your life. And at the age of 30, he becomes prime minister because of a budget. That's how supernatural this thing is. It saved the nation. No prosperity gimmicks or get-rich-quick offerings here, just the godly wisdom of budgeting. David had a budget for Solomon's temple. David received the blueprint for, the, for Solomon's temple from the Spirit of God, just like Moses uh, some uh, couple hundred years before him. He then began to prepare for the temple's construction based on the blueprint's demands. So he knew what the blueprint was. He knew what it called for, and he could begin to stockpile. And he, I guarantee you, he only stockpiled what the blueprint required. If it didn't call for PVC pipe, why would he go buy PVC pipe, right? If it called for stone, he collected stone. If it called for timber, he collected timber. If it didn't call for quickcrete, he didn't collect quickcrete. A budget lets you know where you focus your energy. Amen. It would have shown what was needed to build it the way God wanted it. Without this budget, this building budget, no one would have even known what to provide nor how much. David spent years stockpiling. Notice the budget here. It let him know how long it was going to take to do it. He ended up spending the rest of his life stockpiling for this building project. He spent years stockpiling and preparing gold, silver, brass, iron, wood, cedar, gemstones. Not every gemstone, just 12 types. There's a lot more than 12 gemstones in the world, but there were 12 types that God wanted and hewn stone. David saw what was needed to accomplish something and he began to budget for it. The cost of the temple was exponential and David had to save for years in order to meet the budget. No Citibank back then. No MasterCard. No Capital One. No Lehman Brothers. Just saving based on a budget. Solomon had a treasure and a secretary. Wisest man ever. And he had to have it to run his kingdom. Aheshar managed the household, which would have included finances and personnel. And Adoniram was over the king's taxes and levy, levies. He had to know what his kingdom's needs were and then levy taxes to supply those needs. He was the wisest man ever, and yet he had to have a budget, and I might add accountants, to run his home and his kingdom. Even the wisest man ever had a budget, multiple budgets. Solomon had a daily food allowance. This budget gets so particular, he knows how much is being fed to his court and his courtesans and everybody around him. This shows his use of a budget even for food. You, 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 your family should have a food budget. Know how much your kids eat. Know how to allot for it. You know, it proves to you our region is poor because when they call for snow, everybody runs to Walmart because they don't have a food budget. They make a mad dash because they've not allotted for a week at a time. Now, there might be folks there that are doing their regular business, but we don't ever have to panic and run to Walmart because we have a food budget. We know how long two gallons of milk will last. We know how much food. We have enough food to make it through Friday. It's only supposed to snow Monday. It'll be gone Tuesday afternoon. Why am I making a mad, panic, fearful dash Sunday night 
when I've already bought groceries that I know how long will last me because I live on a budget. My life is actually planned out and it isn't just a whimsical free-for-all. And you know what he had need of down to the number of lambs per meal. So here's his daily budget for his food in his household. 185 bushels of fine flour, 375 bushels of meal, 10 fat oxen were consumed every day in Solomon's household. 20 oxen from the pasture. Uh, so a total of 30 oxen. 100 sheep. It's a lot of sheep. Was it Xingdu lamb is what we like, Dr. James? Deer, gazelles, roebucks, and choice fowls, not Sears and Robux. <laughs> but that's a lot of food to be consumed, but he had to know how much because he had an army working for him. Nehemiah had his food, a daily food allowance as well. Jesus had an accountant for his ministry, did he not? Mm-hmm. Knowing how much was coming in and how much was going out. And they always had enough to give to the poor every day. That's a tight management. It was so well managed that, that Judas knew exactly how much he had stolen and how much he needed to replace. Apparently 30 pieces. Good accountant. Good accountants know how to embezzle and go to hell. Many people supported Jesus' ministry and he had to have someone manage, excuse me, budget and manage those finances. Jesus was always giving to the poor and was prone to feed his disciples. He did it all the time. Judas kept the budget, but he also robbed the budget. Don't be a Judas. Don't rob your budget. Don't rob your budget because you got to have a new toy. All right, last thing here, and I wanted to get to this so I can help us with natural wisdom. And this will conclude our annual teaching on financial stewardship, which you should listen to if you're in debt for more than a year or two. You should listen to it all the time. Maybe it'd be a good thing to find one of these and listen to it every time you get your paycheck so you can re-encourage yourself and strengthen your flesh. I don't need to spend this paycheck. I already owe it to MasterCard, CityCard, Visa, and Amex. I don't need anything. I've already got this money accounted for. 11 signs you're living beyond your means. You have no savings. Number two, your house to income ratio is above 28%. Do the math. Your, your, your monthly living expense for your house, utilities, uh, mortgage insurance should be less than 28% of your income. You can't pay your bills. Duh. I'm <laughs> living beyond my means. How you can't tell I'm living beyond my means? Can't pay my bills. Exactly. You have bad credit. You try to keep up with your friends. That shows someone who's very insecure. You try to keep up with your friends. You'll never have money when you try to do that. You constantly borrow money. You are denied new credit. You have exceeded your credit limit on your cards. Your credit balances are all high. High is relative. You only pay the monthly minimum. You pay bills with credit cards. These are all signs you're living beyond your means. And if you're doing this, you're not wise. Now, you might have to do one or two of these things on your way towards wisdom, like it's okay to consolidate all your credit card debt to one lower interest credit card debt. That's wisdom. But don't keep doing that the rest of your life. I've got a friend of mine I hadn't seen in a couple years. I guarantee you he still has high credit card debt because that's just the way he rolls. If you want to prosper and to be judged as a good and profitable steward, you must make a budget and keep it. Live by a budget and honor God with his substance. God will not be able to bless you like he wants to until you live your life according to your budget. 
Father, I thank you for this series of teachings. Bless us as we've heard it. Bless those that listen to it in the future. Bless all those, Lord, who learn how to budget, prosper them, give them more because they can account for it. In Jesus' name, amen.